0: welcome everybody into another edition of the ksl court report slash salt city hoop show podcast we're uploading it to both places just to you know make it fun make sure everyone gets to listen to me zach harper ben anderson our host for today talking about the utah jazz in the nba uh we it's our second consecutive show after a big jazz win against a playoff western conference opponent and this one probably meant more even than the houston rockets win did because for the first time the jazz looked good against a Clippers and of course that's their likely playoff opponent come April so we wanted to talk a little bit about that game uh, wanted to talk a little bit about Rudy Gobert's defensive chances and uh, I also wanted to talk about potatoes even though nobody else did namely Dirk Nowitzki and CJ Miles are receiving fan potatoes stick around for the potato talk so, for sure. yeah, it's, yeah it's at be the good. 35 minute mark yeah. yes I just
1: made that up <laughs> but if you go to 35 minute mark and we're talking about potatoes that he check checks I'll out. I'll make sure. I'll make sure.
0: We <laughs> do, I'll just, just. Whatever we're talking about, 18 then,
1: minutes of music until we get to there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Just take a quick break. Uh, so, anyway, Jazz beat the Clippers 114 108 on Monday night. Uh, and Jazz play the Pistons tonight and then the Cavs tomorrow night, both of those games on the road. So, we will kind of have an idea of how the team responds to that win on Monday. But I thought, in itself, that it was probably the most important win of the season to have uh some success against the Clippers coming into April
1: yeah I mean that was a that was a matchup where the first two games of the year and I don't put a ton into regular season matchups right because uh you hear so often and you see so often that things just change in the playoffs from a random night in the regular season to a seven game series that you're scouting and game planning for and teams will not you know really give away all their secrets in the regular season unless they you know desperately have to, to make a a playoff seed um, but in those first two games, the jazz got dominated. I mean, yeah. just embarrassed 75 points in the first game, 72 points in the second game uh, missed just a ton of shots, just a real really bad play. So you started to wonder a little bit like maybe this Clippers team's too much for them or, or too experienced for them or however you want to put it. And then to see them bounce back like that, it at least shows you, okay, there is a situation where this Clippers team that has you know been barely beaten by the jazz for years, I think been, said on the last podcast like 17 of 18 yeah 17 of 18 like all right to Nine get straight in salt lake right yeah. that's i mean to lose on your home court right. that often especially is the jazz. crazy yeah especially the jazz um you know it was good to see them kind of fight that way and execute and they you know didn't have a good first half they responded in the second half and, and it worked out for them
0: yeah i, I thought that was really impre- sorry go ahead ben
2: no i mean i i thought the jazz came out in the first quarter at least the first i mean i guess it was just the whole first quarter with chris paul going crazy and Again, the Jazz have a knack for making that Clippers defense look like it's the 04 Pistons or something. I mean, they just make all five guys look like they're incredible all-stars on that team. And then the Jazz responded in the second quarter. George Hill certainly got going in the second half, and I thought that was the difference. But I, I agree with you. I think that was probably the best win of the season so far for the Jazz, just because what it means coming up in the playoffs where these two teams are almost a lock to meet.
0: Let's kind of, I, I want to kind of look at what happened on Monday and figure out like what. What if that we saw Monday is going to happen in the playoffs and what what isn't right? Uh, I mean first of all Chris Paul like you said going off in the first quarter had 16 but only ended up with you know 33 certainly that's that's very 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 good and I think he was a Clippers best player uh, but I, so like that I don't think is is unsustainable to expect from a playoff Chris Paul we've, right. we've definitely seen him we've seen a lot. play that well <laughs> yeah. before. Um, on the other hand, Blake Griffin only scoring eight, eight points that game, you got to think he'll do better in a playoff scenario.
1: Well, and he only took eight shots. So I kind of wonder, was there too much imbalance? And, and it's kind of crazy to say that because Chris Paul just had it going and he scored 16 points to the, the Jazz 19 points You know to, to kind of kick <laughs> off the game. I mean, he was keeping pace with the entire team, but it did kind of, I don't know, phase out Blake a little bit and maybe he didn't get in a rhythm because of it and the Jazz were you know pretty good defensively against him. They swarmed him. They didn't let him push them around too much and and so I wonder if that imbalance affected the Clippers in the second half of the game uh when they really couldn't get things going against the Jazz defense and and then another part of that is just if the if the Jazz make three-point shots and they're not gonna make 10 in a row every game against the Clippers but mm-hmm. if they make three-point shots like I just don't know what you do with them right uh, offensively like they're just they're so efficient and they're so patient and Doc Rivers mentioned this after the game and I thought it was kind of a kind of a confusing point but I guess it it makes sense a little bit where he's like everyone says that they play slow because they're last in pace but he's like they really do play fast they just use up the entire 24 seconds to to score so I think what he's talking about is you know you saw it a lot in this game of they they push the tempo off misses they push the tempo off you know makes even and, and obviously live ball turnovers when they push that it wasn't necessarily to get a fast break score it created mismatches, right? Yeah. And they took advantage of those mismatches really well as the game went on.
0: That's why there's something like the second or third best team after defensive rebounds in the league. Right. It's because they're they're very efficient at making that happen. Even if, even if it doesn't happen all the time, even if those possessions end up taking longer, they end up using them to score efficiently. Right. So yeah. two
2: statistical anomalies in this game. You already mentioned it, Zach, the ten threes in yeah. a row, which is weird. We saw Oklahoma City do that to the Jazz, what, five days ago? Five right. games right. ago? You never see that. And Ooh. it happens twice in five games. And Austin
1: it's- Rivers did say if it takes ten threes in a row for them to beat us, then we're doing all right. Right, yeah. Shots and, and, fired.
2: And I think everyone feels that way. I mean, the Jazz felt that way about fired. Oklahoma City. <laughs> Where's the anomaly, though, with Blake Griffin getting eight field goal attempts? Who, where does he take shots in the playoffs? Who played and got a lot of baskets up or got a lot of shots up in that game that Blake Griffin ends up taking those when the Jazz meet them in the postseason? Rivers? I mean, Rivers only took – he had took a good 11, game. He right? always plays well. He took 11. Like, that's not a bad number for, yeah. for Austin Rivers. And, and especially no. when he's getting shots against – Alec Burks, and he's getting into the paint and, and right. at ease, they, they will take that. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Crawford, how many did he have? Jamal Crawford ended up eight with shots. eight shots. I mean, Jamal and Crawford's going to get eight shots a game. Yeah. Even if he only plays 15 minutes, he, he's getting eight shots. He's definitely getting eight shots. Okay. The, the number is that Chris Paul took 21 shots. I don't think you're going to see Chris Paul always take 21 shots. That's how he got to 33 points. Jazz are fine with that. If you can get about 30 field goal attempts for Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, I think that's successful. You bump it up to about 40 with DeAndre Jordan. I don't think it's actually all that strange what we saw. It was maybe a little unbalanced because Chris Paul got so many, but he he was on fire. He was hot in the first half. I think that's probably what you end up seeing, 40. Maybe you get up to 45 in the postseason, but I think the shot distribution was actually pretty correct in this situation.
0: It was so interesting because, like, the biggest question before the game was how are the Jazz going to defend Blake Griffin without Derek Favors, right? Right. He's the natural guy you would think would guard Blake Griffin's strength and size and everything else. And then Joe Johnson, Gordon Hayward, and, you know, whoever else ended up on him, Boris Diaw, really, starting the game, did a tremendous job. Like, the whole whole time did fantastic, you know? So I— I I think that may be a little bit overblown. Is one is one of the things I learned?
1: Yeah, I mean I I think that I think Blake Griffin is a a monster, right? Like he's he's yeah. an unbelievable basketball player. But if you can kind of keep him from being physically dominant, and and they have, I mean I you I think you mentioned it. You showed a, a clip online, like they were just leaving. Luke Bamute, (laughs) right? Like they just left him, and it's like, hey, you want to pass it to him in the corner? Go ahead. Like we're if Luke if Luke beats us, then Luke beats us. Like they're fine with that. And if you can commit to that style and not panic if a guy does hit a shot, um, which he did, right? Which he did. But if you can panic and when when he doesn't hit a, you know, if he does hit a three and stick to that. It just crowds things for Blake, and he's still a skilled shooter. He's still a very good passer. Uh, he can still, you know, bully some guys. But if if you don't give him that physical advantage, and you just leave a player and say, "We dare you to have that guy beat us," it crowds everything they want to do inside.
0: I also think there's something too, when he thinks there's a mismatch, even if it's not that tremendous of a mismatch. Like Joe Johnson, Gordon Hayward are strong guys, right? Yeah. Like they can. Uh, Sure, Blake Griffin's I think, is stronger and bigger yeah. and yeah. has an advantage there, but it's not as much of an advantage as you might get off just a standard pick-and-roll. You know, you're, your you're not guarding Shaq, right? Right, like, exactly. Yeah. So it, it almost is kind of a, a trap that the Jazz can set is just, hey, sure, give the ball to Blake down there 15 feet in the post and yeah. have him go to work. See, you know, make him take some tough little scoopy kind of shots and right. some follow-aways and, and see you know if you if can make them. Now Maybe the problem is what Zach was saying
2: earlier is you don't want to expose, you don't want to play all your cards in the regular season. You don't want to show right. your game plan in the regular season. If they go back to that in game one against the Clippers, whether they're at Los Angeles or whether they're here, Blake Griffin is waiting for that. Blake Griffin has seen the, the gif of Gordon Hayward posting him up and everyone mm-hmm. praising Gordon Hayward. I don't want that matchup again if I'm the Jazz. And maybe a possession, maybe two. Yeah, right? yeah, you're not relying on that, You're not going to go there 15 yeah. times on low post situations. And he's not going to get that many. But you know, y- you're know, you not going to go back to that over and over. Ideally, from, from a Jazz point of view or from a Clipper point of I view? I think from a Jazz point of view. Okay. I think from a Clipper's point of view, I will take that. I will take Blake Griffin against... Uh, Gordon Hayward I'll take Blake Griffin against Joe Ingles which you saw a couple of times in the first half mm-hmm. against Joe Johnson and I will live with those results because I don't think he's only going to make three baskets it's not just that he only had eight attempts he shot poorly on those eight attempts yeah. so he and could he just as easily go seven of eight in in that yeah. matchup
0: and then he kills the Jays see I, I'm, I'm he, not as convinced he, and about he didn't that. get
1: to the line either right I mean that's that's a that's big that's thing a big too thing.
0: And that happened, you know, against a smaller defender, you would expect him to get to right. the line a ton. And, and, you know, to the Jazz's credit, they didn't do that. But I actually like the idea of Gordon Hayward at the four for small stretches of the game. You know, I, I think that can that can work for the Jazz really well offensively, first of all. And then defensively, it, they can keep up like we saw. I, I, I Sure, I think it's, it's probably not the Jazz's best defensive lineup, but I think you, you get a lot of benefits from that. Uh, that sort of spacing on the offensive end
2: and you can sucker him out of the pick and roll. Again, right. that's the right. idea yeah. like you guys were saying. You sucker him out of the pick and roll and you say, okay, then you don't allow Chris Paul to have either Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan, whoever's setting the screen right. to be able to run that because yeah, you trapped him. It's the way you'll let Wes, Russell Westbrook take a couple of threes early in the game. Because sure. if he hits one, you say, Oh, he'll go one for six. And we love that. We love the idea that he falls in love with his jumper early. If he burns a six for nine like he did against the Jazz, I guess that happens. Yeah. But yeah. for the most part, you will give him that shot,
0: let him feel like that's his basket, and let and let him run with that for the rest of the game. Do you guys think that teams really do hold stuff back. Like I asked Doc Rivers about that pregame, Zach. Yeah. I think you were there, and he said, "No, I don't think they really hold teams really hold plays back. They hold players back. You know, certainly like Warrior-Spurs matchup where everyone rested, right? right. Uh, but do you think they hold players and sets and, and mismatches and those sort of things back in, in One, regular season?" One hundred percent. I know Eric Spolster Doc did lied to it. me, is what you're saying. Yes, Doc. Okay. Great he, with the media. Honestly, he held it back. He held. It, yeah, he, <laughs> he, held, it back, back he held back. He held
1: back the truth, right? Okay. Um, I know Eric Spolster, for a fact did it a lot. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just. I mean, why Why wouldn't you? Right. What a dumb thing to just say, hey, this is what we do. Yeah. Like, this is what we're going to do. That You know, try and stop it. Like, this isn't Packers football in the 60s. Like, that's not – it's just – we're we're a smarter sports sports culture at that point, point.
2: and you also don't install everything in your offense throughout the regular season because you play 30 different, 29 different teams throughout the year. So yeah, you've got your playbook, right. but then when you know you're going to face up against the Clippers at worst four times in a row and potentially seven times in a row, well, you'll just put in some different sets that, yeah. that are going to allow you to attack and, that team differently.
1: And I was I was talking to an assistant coach from a different team a few weeks back, and he was telling me like the Jazz are so hard to, to prepare for because. I think he said they're the s- second or fourth deepest playbook yeah. of anyone in the league on stuff they track, and so you're not running every single play in that playbook throughout the regular season. You're, you're keeping lineups, you're keeping um, you know certain sets, you're keeping certain certain advantages kind of at bay because you you want to be able to unleash those in in opportunistic moments.
0: And it kind of has to be that deep given how many half-court possessions the Jazz have, right? right? like You need to run plays. You can't just run slow yeah. all the time. Are you I, surprised the Jazz haven't run more of the crazy lineup
2: potential that they have had to start the season, which is Boris Diaw at the five, Gordon Hayward at the... I mean, they haven't gone mega small and just right. gone bizarre for three minutes or four minutes to end a quarter. They, I don't think Quinn Snyder has tested as much as I thought the Jazz were going to going into the mm. air. That's maybe where we start to see a little bit more uh, of some things that you throw in in the playoffs. I'm surprised this year. I don't think he's doing it by mistake. I I don't think it's accidental for him to not be running those out. I'm sure he's tried them and knows what will and won't work when you get into a real game. I, I'm just surprised. I thought we would see more variation in how the Jazz used players in different spots.
0: Yeah, I mean we've seen like trade, Lyles, Boris Diaw lineups, but sure. I think Boris is just so horrendous as an interior right. defender that like it, it becomes really clear that you're not getting a whole lot from it. And
2: he doesn't give you much on the offensive side as far as being a scorer. Right. Again, which is the problem. If he was shooting the three better and we talked about this in the last show, I think you could get him out there in more different situations to, to exploit matchups, but he doesn't really exploit matchups all that well because you can defend him with almost anybody on the floor.
0: Yeah, and or heck, you could not defend him and you're probably right. going to be okay.
1: Right. Uh, I I kind of wonder if part of that, and maybe this is actually the incorrect line of thinking, and in wondering if that hasn't happened, is I wonder if the injuries have prevented that. Now you could sure. think like injuries would allow you to do that because yeah. certain guys are right. on the floor, but I really do think like you're when when you lose the injuries in that way, you do lose a little bit of that oh, maybe we should test this out because you have to be technically more careful with your rotations and with what you're going to test out against better opponents. And
2: you need to develop those guys you want to have on the court to close the game. You need to have those five guys when they are healthy. You can't say, well, let's let's take eight minutes in this Timberwolves game or in this New Orleans game and and play around here. It's like, no, those eight minutes at the end of the season might honestly be 10% of what you've seen throughout the entire year with how many injuries the Jazz have seen uh, and and say that's what we feel like we can rely on. We want to make sure they have as much chemistry as possible.
0: Yeah, I I think that's one reason you're saying Quinn Snyder stay with lineups late in games. You know, he'll stay with the starters late, way after a game has kind of been decided. You know, 25, 20-point 20 blowout, and the starters are still in there with three minutes left, you, you, I think he wants to see what those guys can do as a combination right. and have, have that data.
2: Assuming Favors is healthy uh, going into the playoffs and by health, he's not going to be 100% this year, but let's right. say he's able to play like he has when he's been on the Jazz so uh-huh. far this season. What does the rotation look like? I mean, Did we see what the Jazz rotation was? Does he take Jeff Withey's eight minutes? Does he take you know, all of Boris Diaw's 21 minutes? What, what, where does Favors fit in, and who doesn't play? Because we had talked about this, but again, it's going right. to depend on who they play in the first round.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think you you probably do what we've seen when, when Favors has been healthy, which is he plays the first four or five minutes of every half and then is strictly a backup center besides that. Huh.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're probably taking away six to eight minutes of DL. You're taking away with these minutes. You're taking four minutes away from Ingles and, and Joe Johnson, maybe. Yeah. You know, I mean, that probably rounds. Out. I, I don't think you're playing Favors 30 minutes.
0: Yeah, and, and you, I think you can... Basically, only play him against Blake Griffin at the four. You know, right? Uh, against any other matchup, you you
1: don't. Really I don't. Like I mean, it. maybe you play him against most okay, Mo Spades. Sure.
0: Okay, I mean
1: Mo, dude, his his defense. Like he, I know we're not expecting right. Bill Russell out there, but his defense was exceptionally it was, bad. It was
0: real bad. <laughs> How much is most Bates playing the four versus the five of this year? I, uh, I think it. it's
1: majority is at the five. Yeah, I think they've really gone small, and even that times put Brandon Bass next to him. Which my God, what a terrible idea! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's kind of my sense too. Is is favors
0: is going to end up against most Bates just because he's they're both playing center, yeah. you know, backup center.
1: I have a question for you guys. Did were you concerned? He didn't shoot all that well from the outside, um, but it seemed like the Jazz had a real problem sticking with JJ Redick. Does that concern you? Yeah. in a playoff series? They, I mean, just that having someone to do that, or do you think Rodney Hood or or even Joe Ingles can stay with him?
0: I think they – I mean, just Rodney Hood, Joe Ingles, and and Gordon Hayward are so much bigger than J.J. Redick yeah. that I think it's harder for them physically just to, like, fit through the screens and the elevator doors and everything else to kind of maneuver and stay with Jordan, oh, sorry, J.J. Redick for for those kind of uh, screen runs, I guess he yeah. does. But, uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I'm a little bit worried. Um, I think – those are more difficult shots than we we say that they are. You know, he's generally catching the ball on the run. And then I, I'm thinking of a couple of players where, like, Joe Ingles forced him towards the corner and then he, he kind of does have time to get a hand o- over there even though Redick right. missed a shot. Um, but, yeah, it, I think it's something that the Jazz have to worry about. One thing I noticed they were doing was having Gobert kind of stunt at Redick yeah. if, uh, if they thought whoever, Joe Ingles, was guarding him was, was too far behind. Right. Um, and I think that's probably effective and something something we'll see a lot of, um, especially when they do have Blake Griffin in the game and yeah. you can, you kind of feel confident having whoever slide over. I'm
1: actually surprised that that was effective because I feel like Rudy's stunting on that should allow someone like DeAndre or someone like Blake to take advantage right in the middle yeah. of the floor. Yeah. Um, and I, I was a little shocked that the Clippers didn't do more um, to take advantage of that.
2: It also depends on who you have passing the ball. Not that sure, J.J. Redick's right. a bad passer, but right, he's not right. Chris Paul, and Austin Rivers doesn't look to pass. Right. So, Austin Rivers is going to be happy. My fear, though, is that it's, if the Jazz lose this playoff series with the Clippers, it comes down to Austin Rivers and J.J. Redick being those extra guys where you figured out a way to allow Chris Paul to not go off for 45. And I don't, you know, he's not that type of player regularly, but he doesn't single-handedly beat you. Blake doesn't single-handedly beat you. DeAndre doesn't. But then you have that extra guy, and it's either Austin Rivers or J.J. Redick, and the fact that they're so dissimilar in the way that they play, you just can't keep up with defending. Them. The way you yeah. like to throw different looks at, a, at an offensive player when you're playing defense, they throw different looks at you offensively and say, okay, yeah, on, uh, Austin Rivers isn't a great three-point shooter, but he's dangerous enough that if you leave him open, he'll take it and he can make it. And if you close out too hard, like Alec Burks was doing or like Dante Exum will do, he'll just beat you off the dribble and get to a, uh, a layup. And again, you can't leave DeAndre Jordan. You can't leave Blake Griffin because if they do, they will just throw that lob, and that's yeah. where those guys get so dangerous.
0: And th- and that's yeah. If if they have five shooters on the floor, or, you know, if if they have Mba Mute or Wesley Johnson out there, right. then just leave those guys right. And we saw the Jazz do that over 100%, and over again.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, if it's a lineup like Jamal, Chris Paul, you know, JJ Redick, I mean, Jamal
1: just cooks them like right. Yep. I mean, he they really is they he does so such a good job of coming around a screen against them and finding himself against a big. And for whatever, like, he does it against everybody, right? But – for whatever reason, like he he loves those sightlines. He makes in, the shots in home yeah. <laughs> Arena. Like he loves the he loves shooting there.
2: And I think that's the Jazz design. The, the Jazz design is to stop the big three, and if yeah. the other guys can beat you, they beat you. And that because clearly that's why Austin Rivers has gone off. That's why uh, Crawford has gone off. That's why uh, JJ will go off against the Jazz at least one point in this series. That's that's by design by the Jazz as well.
0: I think I think well I I would say some of it's by design, and sometimes I think it's that the Jazz's bench isn't any good defensively. Sure. Like I, I think that's a big deal. If if you're playing Trey Lyles and Boris Dio like the Jazz did, uh, or you know, you can bring Jeff with you on the perimeter, you've got Alec Burks and Dante Exum that means you're guarding as your guards defending whoever the Clippers have out there. Uh, you know, Austin Rivers and, and Jamal Crawford are gonna get a lot of a lot of joy out of that.
2: It is also worth noting uh, the Jazz' first loss of the season against the Clippers, which was the 88-75, when the Jazz came back a little bit late, but that game was was unwatchable. It was was over, yeah. There's no Gordon Hayward there. and The Jazz without Gordon Hayward aren't going to beat most teams in the NBA. And then their second loss, here's the Jazz starting lineup, uh, Hayward, Hill, Gobert, Favors, Ingles. You didn't have Rodney Hood in that game, so yeah. you hope you at least have a, it, a general idea of who your starting five going to be. yes yeah. yeah.
0: hardly had Rodney Hood this game. I mean, right. with how much foul trouble right. he had. Right.
1: And in that game, that second game, I mean, they did just miss shots, and sometimes it's that simple, right? Like, it, sometimes teams just miss shots, yeah. and there's not, and there's not really anything you can do about it.
2: Do the Jazz have a guy in a playoff series who you can say, the way we've been talking about, I said either J.J. Redick or Austin Rivers, I- and throw uh, Crawford into that as well, one of those guys is just going to beat you in one of the games. They're going to get the Clippers a win. That combination of three players yeah. will get the Clippers a win in a seven-game series. Do the Jazz have a guy not named George Hill, Gordon Hayward, Derek Favors that can do that? Yeah, Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson. Yeah, does he will Crawford? He will
1: absolutely have one of those games because he, j- he does it every time. Ta- I mean, I guess he didn't do it with Miami, but he does it pretty much every year.
0: I'd also throw out Rodney Hood, right? I mean, we've yeah, seen Rodney him can have 20, 25-point scoring nights. Yeah, he's certainly inconsistent. And that's the idea. If you can get two of those guys, the way you know J.R. Smith will get you
2: a game in a, yeah. in a postseason series because he'll hit six threes yeah. in the third quarter or three threes in the third quarter to keep you alive or get you back in a game, I think that's a big question. Because, yeah, I, w- I would like to think that's the case with Hood. I hope Joe Johnson still has the legs to do it, and he clearly looks like he does. I hope Hood is that guy because if he can do that, and then you have Joe Johnson who can do it, and you've got your other three guys who are going to win you games – the Jazz get really, really good at that
0: point. Yeah, I, I think Hood is that guy. Also, Joe Ingles was phenomenal. I was just going to say that, was yeah. Like
1: he, he, he has those moments where he'll hit two, three threes in a row, and it, it is that, kind of back, uh, that back-breaking moment.
0: He carried the Jazz for the, the entire like last half, first, second, uh, and the entire second quarter. I mean, yeah. just I, – I was blown away with how well he What's going to be
1: funny is there is going to be a point this summer where he gets – a really healthy contract right Mm -hmm. and people are gonna freak out because they just don't know who he is and and then if you pay attention a little bit after that you'll be like oh yeah that guy's totally worth that money
0: (laughs) they talked about him a little bit on the true podcast uh released yesterday and they said looks like the jazz will probably need to trade at least alec burks and and maybe even derek favors to afford the free agent deals that they'll have to sign this off season uh with joe ingles right because i mean really he's at this point, has turned into a guy that, like, you really, really want to keep around here. He's more consistent than Rodney Hood is. He's better than
2: Alec Burks is. I yeah. mean, in that sense, you, that might even come down to being the situation of the future for the Jazzes. Do you keep investing in Rodney Hood, hoping he reaches a ceiling, even if he's had health issues, or do you just go with Joe Ingles, who just he just does it? He just delivers consistently. Yeah. But uh, this off season, obviously, Alec Burks or Joe Ingles, that, that answer is really easy. You go with Joe Ingles, and you find a way to get rid of Alec.
1: Right. And, I mean, with Joe, this is obvious, but, like, how often does he take a three where you expect it to not go in? Right, right. Like he's become right. that kind of a shooter where he's just entirely reliable. And he, and not only does he have the confidence, like he obviously has confidence. He has confidence in literally every step of his life, right? right. But but his teammates, they all think that's going in too. And right. that and that stuff just the ball whips around quicker. The you know you're just in a better position offensively because you have that confidence in your teammate.
0: We're seeing him take shots that he never did in his first two seasons. Right. I mean off-pick-and-roll kind of stuff when, when defenders go under or are trailing. He didn't have the ability to kind of pull up and shoot from there in, in right. the previous years. It's and gotten
1: to the point where I legitimately think someone's stupid if they go under a pick on him. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, why would you do right. that? Right. Right. He's, he's so slow, it's anything. not like you can't catch up. Right? He,
0: can, he can put
2: you in jail, and he can get you on his shoulder, yeah he can get for to the sure. basket. He's a good finisher once he gets there, but he's way more dangerous mm-hmm. as a three-point shooter. And what I like about him, he's not 5 for 6 at 3 one night and 0 for 6 the next night right. to get to 45%. Yeah. He's not that guy. He's right. 2 of 5 at worst, every single night. Right. Maybe one of three if he doesn't get a lot of usage, but he is a guy who's going to hit a three or two every single game. Who
0: was talking about that when they came here? Was it Fisdale, Spolster? I'm trying to think. Someone, yeah, I think someone it was Fisdale. Okay. Because, um, yeah, that, I think for like, a bench shooter, that's, that's pretty rare. Uh, yeah, I, Joe Ingles, man. Good, good basketball player. Good player. You know what player Should I like
2: not, in the offseason? Again, not to get too far for the Jazz, I just like his contract, is obviously Boris DL because it's totally non-guaranteed. You can waive it. You can trade it. Or you can hold on to him if you feel like, you know what, you got to get rid of favors. He's not the worst guy at $8 million on the end of your bench if you have to play for a couple of minutes.
0: Yeah, it's not crazy,
2: certainly. And you've got three different options you can do with him that are all really, really valuable for the Jazz because some team may need $8 million that they can waive. Some team may want Boris Diaw and be willing to pay him $8 million, or the Jazz can just cut him and say, fine, we don't need that money either. We want to clear that space to bring back a guy like uh, like,
0: uh, Joe Ingles. Right. Yeah, Yeah. completely agreed. Uh, Anything else from that game? Uh, physicality the, <laughs> Chris Paul's comments It
1: got real test I didn't have a problem With Chris Paul's comments No I didn't either Yeah I I mean, d- Alright Not to Not to get on the wrong side Of the listenership Yes But for Hate a fan, For a fan base That at least from my experience Complains so much About the officials To be mad About the opponent Who want, Like complains to the officials constantly <laughs> it the just jazz seems fans
2: are, are, are more uh willing to blame the officials than, than in my fans experience are. i mean Grant,
1: i've only been here like a year and a half right but well, you I, would know better than i would i mean i grew yeah. up in salt lake right. i'm from here right.
2: I, I don't know what memphis fans say about the uh, about the the, the whistle uh, i think day.
1: memphis fans are just could we have won a fight in this game huh. yes then we're fine right like i think All like, um but yeah like i do feel like officiating is a bigger issue with jazz fans than most fan bases, I would say. No, I don't think they're the worst by any means, but I think like with most fan bases, it is a point of emphasis all the time.
2: So, who's more willing to be? Who's more likely to be taken out of a series because of chippiness? The Clippers or the Jazz? Who's more likely to have that rattle them so badly? I mean, the I would. The I would guess the Jazz oh.
1: just because they have less experience, and so I think that I think Rudy can be susceptible to that, right? Like mm-hmm. I think Gordon can be, not as susceptible, but I could see a moment in the playoffs where. He complains a little too much, or whatever, and and it gets in his head. Um, with the Clippers, I ne- I don't find that their complaining is their downfall in the postseason. Like two years ago, they just flat out ran out of gas, right? Okay. And the Rockets, yeah. I mean, Josh Smith had a <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> like Josh Smith hit threes to beat them, and yeah. like that's just not going to happen, right? Like to me, they ran into bad luck. Chris Paul breaks his hand, and sure. Blake Griffin tears that tendon or whatever again. Um, I don't I don't like I think they're annoying in the way they do it but I don't think it's this thing where where it's a huge detriment to them. I think it's more just aesthetically unpleasing.
2: Do we all agree that Rudy's getting superstar calls now as a shot blocker? I mean, he's getting that respect. I mean, they he, say, you're a shot blocker, we're yeah. going to give you leeway on contact. Because Jeff Withey is not going to get the same right. lack of calls. Derek Favors even won't even get the same lack of calls that Gobert gets now. They keep Rudy Gobert in the game. The officials do because yeah. they say, you've earned that. You're a shot blocker. You do it right. Often enough that we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I think that and
0: as a screener too. I think I, yeah. I think they've totally started to allow him the screen. Yeah,
2: because yeah, because when he's dipping to turn and run to the basket, he I mean he bends over halfway right. to push the guy back an extra foot and a half to give mm. the ball handler give himself an extra little bit of right. leeway. Uh, I think him having that leeway now from the officials will will allow him to stay in the game more likely yeah. with the chippiness. Not just he, because they're not going to get yeah. him in foul trouble, but because I think he recognized that he is getting respect. What's
1: interesting, though, is he complains a lot to officials. Yeah, for he sure. He gets back on defense, but he but he complains he talks a lot. often. Which is not yeah. a bad thing. No, I don't think You no, absolutely not. should do I this. think you should work yeah. the officials. As long as you're not yeah. getting technical fouls, as long as you're not right. Draymond Green or Boogie. Russell Westbrook yeah. about it, right, or Boogie, like, I think you should work the officials as much as possible.
0: I think it's really, like, I talked to Quinn a little bit about this, and he said that he thinks – That by treating the officials with respect and you know not showing them up and that sort of thing he thinks that'll pay dividends in the long run when you do have a playoff series and you know they have some sort of affinity for you rather than I I think a lot of referees in the league probably aren't the biggest fans of refereeing the Clippers right because they any mistake you make is is going to be visible and and yell your Doc's gonna yell at you and everything else but maybe that's more effective than having you know, those relationships, so to speak.
2: What's the technical foul cost now? Is it $5,000, $2,500? Whatever. I think it's, it's $2,500. Yeah. Is Quinn Snyder willing to, in the postseason, I'm not trying to get into his bank account, <laughs> is he willing to pay $2,500 <laughs> to get the Jazz a foul call the next, the next trip down the floor? I
0: think he's not willing to give up the point to get the Jazz right. the foul right. call huh. the next down the You know, I, like, he's got money. He's fine. Sure. But, like, <laughs>
1: well, well, I don't know. It's fun- I mean, I don't think this is the case for Quinn Snyder, but a lot of... Uh, Greg Steamsmo there was a week when he was on the Timberwolves where like Jarrett Jack went after him uh, I think Chris Paul went after him and Matt Barnes went after him mm. like and it was just this really weird week of games where everyone was taking a shot at Greg Steamsmo <laughs> and, we, and you know, we were talking it's to him about it week. and he was like eh, I know nothing's going to happen nobody wants to lose that money and that way and like mm. granted he's a minimum player but I do think that a lot of guys are cognizant of I don't want to give up this, this paycheck rather oh. than I don't want to give up this point
2: I, oh. I would hope he'd be willing to do it even more valuable than the point. I mean, I, I think just establishing that, that I will get the technical foul, and I will get on you with the understanding that you have to pay me back because that is absolutely how it works, and you see it happen time in and mm-hmm. time out, as long as you're not being unruly, like we had mentioned right. with these guys who just do it for no reason, just right. seemingly because like, they Ste- like I mean, complain. Steve Kerr makes a
1: point to get technical fouls, Pop right? Does, like Pop does, goes, does hey, it, yeah. Jerry
2: used to be the king of it. Jerry right. Sloan it used to be the king of saying, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get a technical foul, and even occasionally – once a year, I'm going to get tossed for my team just, to, just so they know I'm there. Yeah. Right. Just so I'm back there. I, I bet you Quinn Snyder picks up a technical foul in the playoffs, and he's not a guy who gets a lot of techs. No,
0: I, I should look up how many he has this season. I think it's one.
1: Probably, yeah.
0: I think the Jazz trainers get one or two a year. I mean, they <laughs> honestly
1: might <laughs> Ryan one. Yeah, yeah, they get
2: more than, than, uh, than actually Quinn gets.
1: Yeah
0: and and you know the players don't get them I, like Gordon's gotten two in his career I think maybe three uh you know Rudy gets like kind of player uh confrontation technicals but rarely referees occasionally
2: technical. will hit yeah. the ball out of someone's hand but right. yeah, it's yeah. really rare
1: Um I I mean personally I liked how chippy and physical it was it was entertaining and it just sets up a better playoff stage right? right Like I think these teams if they if not by the next time they play by Game one and a half of of that playoff series. They're (laughs) going to hate each other. And, and that just get, adds a lot of fun.
2: Not to be too cliche, it's just it's good the Jazz answered the, the chippiness. Because Absolutely. Because in the past, that yeah. has been the problem with Devontae West, finger in the ear of Gordon Hayward, guys walking <laughs> from Hayward that. at the free throw line. I mean, there was this question of who's going to get out there and be tough. Mm-hmm. Now, I know George Hill was one of the guys with Quinn Snyder pulling Rudy back. Rudy's going to be a tough guy. George Hill will be a tough guy yeah. when he needs to be, because he is a tough guy. Boris Diao won't be afraid to mix it up either if you have to, and neither will Joe Johnson, because he has $200 million, and he can he can afford <laughs> that $2,500 technical <laughs> ballot if he has to. I don't know if Gordon will ever be that guy. I think the Jazz have plenty of guys on this roster, though, that aren't afraid to be that.
0: Joe Johnson's a mixed-it-up guy? I think he will be if
1: oh, he has I to. Know, the playoffs. Yeah, I yeah. think he's one of those guys where... I, he's not going to look for it. Right. He's not
0: when going the to initiate poppin'. it. Popcorn's
1: popping, and if, he, if someone gets in the face of his teammate... yeah. He will be the first to get in there. He's
2: not going to do it with thirty seconds left of a game the Jazz have already won against the Clippers, right. <laughs> right? You know, and maybe that's where Rudy needs to figure it out. But the third quarter, if someone's wrapping him up or, or yeah, is getting in his face, I, I, I think Joe Johnson could answer that bell.
0: Was that on? Was that on Rudy Gobert or Chris Paul? And they end like to me. That's that's Chris Paul getting frustrated and shoving. Rudy oh yeah, Gobert for sure. Twice, I right? think that
1: was on Chris. Yeah.
2: Was that retaliation for the J.J. Reddick? I mean, I, again, and yeah. g- good. That's I, I hate to be the guy who says, well, you know, you stared at a home run, so I get to hit you with a baseball at 90 <laughs> miles an hour next time you're at bat. I don't agree with that. Yeah. But I, I there's that's how the NBA yeah. works. That's how basketball works, and I don't have a problem with yeah.
1: it. Yeah, I mean, how much did people freak out when... I mean, all right, this may be extreme, but people freaked out when Zaza Pachulia leveled Russell Westbrook yeah. and no one retaliated, no one got in his right. face, right? Like, Ines Cantor was right there and mm. did nothing, right? And that stuff... It's not going to tear the Thunder locker room apart, but when J.J. Redick gets elbowed in the face and two minutes later, five minutes later, whatever it was, Chris Paul ends the game with an unnecessary push because he didn't like that and he didn't like how much Rudy was talking. Right. You go back in that locker room and J.J. Redick knows – Chris still has my back Chris will always have my back like that stuff matters and
2: it goes back to the understanding of nobody wants to pay that $2,500 right bucks. exactly and yeah. now <laughs> J.J. Reddick says you just spent $2,500 yeah. on me I mean that is right. rewarding yeah. your, your player and that is yeah. why guys will pay each other's taxes yeah.
1: well. although he is, a, he is a a watch guy so maybe he would have rather that go sure. towards a vintage watch Okay.
2: or an Apple
0: watch
1: or an Apple watch I bet he has one he <laughs> probably yeah probably has two.
0: expensive Apple watch I, mean, yeah, I guess they do make the fancy ones right yeah. With like oh, the yeah. gold wristbands and everything else oh yeah I don't know how that stars
1: they're just like us
0: are they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else from that game? I think it's. Uh, I mean, I think
2: that's the playoffs. I mean, Looking I, forward to I mean, it. I don't think anyone's yeah. not excited for that playoff yeah. matchup. And now that the Jazz have a win, that's got to be such a. Jazz fans just have to have so much more optimism going into that series than they would had they lost that game and then lost in a couple of weeks when they go and play at Los Angeles. Right.
0: Yeah, they play March twenty fifth in LA. Uh, games at one thirty. Uh, right now, ImPredict is saying that the Jazz have a forty-five percent chance at the four seed and a forty-seven percent chance at the five seed. So to kind of give you an idea, so it, this is this is very probably, you know, nine out of ten times going to be the matchup we see in this this year's playoffs. Yeah. So. Uh, I want to talk about Defense Player of the Year a little bit because, obviously, Rudy Goubert has had some tremendous defensive performances recently, uh, but Draymond Green has been incredible as well. I mean, especially last night, I'm thinking against the Philadelphia 76ers when he was really you know, pretty responsible for their comeback last night in the fourth quarter. Was he a steal away
2: from um, the 5 by 5 yeah. last night yeah. with 20 points? Right. Okay, he was, I don't he like was, Draymond. He's I'm, unreal.
1: The first reaction is, oh, well, it was against the Sixers. Who cares? they were losing that game yeah they, yeah. Need, they and needed that <laughs> yeah they, yeah they're losing that game they're uh i like i humorously or tried to humorously point out that they're 9 and 7 since waving and Anderson Verjo they're <laughs> 43 and 7 before that uh so locker clearly room y- locker room locker guy locker room guy <laughs> <laughs> Makes people sense. love it um but he you know they were on the verge of being 9 and 8 since then Maybe. and just 9 and 8 in any stretch for that Warriors team is a disaster and without you know Steph Curry playing all that well without Klay Thompson you know dominating and obviously Kevin Durant's out to be down ten points or whatever they were in the fourth quarter to that Sixers team, um, that would have been an embarrassing loss. And he just decided, nope, we're going to win this game. And he was he was as good as you can get defensively. Like he just was.
0: Yeah. I I, I mean, I watched I watched like and it was yeah, it's incredible. Just yeah. the, the, he he really does make plays that nobody else in the league does. And I think that's very you know you can say that about Rudy and you can say that about Kawhi too, right. which is what makes this race so difficult.
1: Yeah, and I really like maybe this is a, a cop out to some people, but all three are equally deserving in my mind like they i mean they have all been so good in those very different ways like you just mentioned and two of those guys aren't going to get the award unless we have some weirdness that gets some tied in vote points and and we get a co-defensive player of the year but two two of those guys aren't going to win the award and it's going to suck for them because they deserve it but it's i mean it's it's probably the most fascinating one we've had in a really long time
0: if you're a voter you know over the next 15 games how are you deciding who to vote for what are you looking at? What you know? What is it that's going to make up your mind?
1: Do they have three-sided coins? Because that's, <laughs> I mean, that's all, I wouldn't. Okay. I, I honestly wouldn't know. Like, do you value the rim protection of Rudy Gobert and what that allows the Jazz to do defensively more than you value the versatility of Draymond Green minus the testicle punching and kicking, right? Like, <laughs> right, but right. like, do you do you value you know that versatility that kind of helps keep the Warriors a little weird in terms of lineups, or do you value the guy? In Kawhi Leonard, where teams will just say, "All right, we'll put Jimmy Butler in the corner right. and just play four on four and hope that hope that works," right? Which like, w- it, it kind of has. Right, I mean, sort of. Not. I mean, yeah. it, they're still a great team no matter who they throw on the floor because right. Pop's that good. I don't think that should go against Kawhi, but yeah. like, I mean, it's just it is three, you know, generational defenders going for the award.
2: If you want to just go off intangibles, and I, I'm not a voter, but intangibles, here's the problem. Rudy Gobert has the least amount of exposure of any of these three guys, mm-hmm. and that puts him at a major disadvantage. Yeah. And he's also got the least name value of any of these three guys because he's never been an All-Star and he's never won a championship. Also has the fewest wins, right? I mean, sure. th- I think right. that that matters. But the Jazz aren't on TV as much as the Spurs are, yeah. as much right. as Golden State is. You've never seen Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. He talked about that after the Jazz beat the Clippers. I mean, that that is going to be the reason why Rudy doesn't win it. Lil now, Wayne's never shatters his name. Exactly. Personally, here's what I would say. I get that Draymond Green can guard all five guys on the floor. And so can Kawhi. They can guard all five guys on the floor. Mm. Rudy does guard all five guys on the floor because he he patrols his own. He has to stop the rim. And he's the best rim protector we've seen in the NBA in several years now. Rudy, I would say, would be the guy. And if I was a coach and I was building a defense, I'd love Draymond. I love Kawhi, but if I'm building a defense, I'm going with Rudy because he makes the job so much easier. Hmm. For so many people in every game, he has to guard five people. And almost every play he has to because he always has to be wary of what's going on at the rim. That would be my that would be my vote, would be for Rudy, and I don't think that's just me being a homer. I just err on the side yeah. of if you have a rim protector, you're going to have a pretty good defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I, the, the thing I don't like about where this race is going is it's going to be well Draymond was so close the last two years he's earned this right and I hate that line of thinking because it should just be this is what's happened this season right right. and so I I don't have a problem if Draymond wins it I have a problem if that's the reason you vote for him of oh well he almost won the last two years and you know he should probably get it now like evaluate it based off what I think his play more than speaks for itself in validating his case for defensive player of the year I do think that what he is able to do in terms of switching everything sets a tone for Think what's still the best defense in the league, or was the best defense in the league up until two weeks ago? Whatever the yeah. Warriors are, if that Warriors team to still be a top defensive team, it is because of Draymond Green.
0: Right, and and I think there is something to be said for uh, that team doesn't necessarily give a hundred percent every night, right. other than yeah. Draymond, <laughs> right. in in a lot of circumstances. Yeah. And I think that yeah, him keeping it afloat at, in a after. Uh, I guess not winning a championship, but getting close. Yeah. And, you know, th- that team could very easily be coasting for the playoffs yeah. and that they're still so good defensively says something. They're
2: all both – all three of them are all defense first team. There's yeah. no question oh about it. Yeah. Patrick Beverly probably at the point guard. And probably, then you yeah. got to find LeBron a spot. I would think they he, would throw LeBron. He should be in there. He's again, been I mean, really they good. they just have always thrown LeBron in yeah. there. He, and he, he does deserve to be at the top there. But, but who, you need a second guard, right? Yeah, maybe who would be the other guard, I guess is the question. Tony Allen again? Yeah, um, probably. I mean
1: probably Tony Allen. Oh, Avery Bradley. Been, okay. uh, he sure. missed some time, but he's been fantastic.
2: But that's it. Those are your five, and yeah. I don't think there's any question that Draymond, Kawhi, and Rudy are all first right. team members this year.
1: And to to Ben's point about Rudy, the fact that the in a three point era, that the the Jazz allow the second lowest rate of three pointers attempted, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of percentage of of shots, that's incredible. And it's because right? of Rudy. And it is because right. it is strictly because of Rudy. Like Rudy has helped them in, t- entirely take away this. This three point era of basketball, mm-hmm. right? And like we're gonna grind it out. No, no, none of this pace and space crap. We are going to grind it out. We're gonna run you off the three point line. You are not allowed to play modern basketball against us. That's pretty impressive. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> devastating. It's yeah, just devastating because it, like, it changes the way you yeah, play. the Yeah, it game. changes the era when you're playing the, the Jazz. I'd like, love that's to incredible. go back to
2: that Clippers game and see the play where where Gordon is bodying up Blake Griffin. I would love to see where. Rudy is. Because, yeah. again, I he's, only remember it now from the game. I mean, I'm sure he's two steps away, yeah, patrolling but, the paint. Yeah. He's probably on the weak side. I'm right. sure he's on the weak side with the foot in the paint. But Blake turns his corner and as he's kind of looking over his shoulder. You says, know he's there. Rudy's there. Right. It's probably better for me to kick right. the ball out, even if I do have Gordon Hayward on me. And yeah.
1: while, while I don't think steals matter at all, the fact that Kawhi Leonard just literally takes the ball out of yeah. grown men's hands, right. like the best athletes, the strongest athletes in the world, they just hold the ball, and he just says, no, I will take that from you now and go the other way. The w- the things he's able to do on defense are just they just don't make any sense. And he's
0: not an irresponsible ball hawk. No, he's not right. a guy. No, like, no, no, no. going to gamble. He, d- he doesn't gamble at all. Right. I see. Like I do think steals. I, I'm uh, steals matter obviously, right? But like I you, don't. Like, I don't agree it, on like. I think force any level? Tur- forced turnovers you? matter. Okay. But
1: I don't think steals – I think steals are, steals and blocks are overrated stats or overvalued stats. In um, Steve Clifford's talked about this a lot, where he says they don't really matter because it. You you could be selling out your defense to get them. Yeah, like Monte Ellis averages two steals a game for his career or something close to that, right? Right. Monte Ellis not a good defender.
0: Right. Uh, right. You. I. Yeah. I completely agree. I don't think you can yeah. rely on like steals and blocks to determine who your defense player of the year is right. going to be because otherwise you get Marcus Camby, right? Right. Like exactly. Yeah. This is this is a problem. But I do think that like if you, I think it's a good measure of guys. You know that you know like Kawhi isn't leaving his defensive responsibilities to go to get steals if
1: there's a way to measure it versus like uh, alongside like what the defensive rating is on the court with that player like if there's some way to combine those two then i think yeah then the steals statistic is valuable
0: um i was looking at last year's defensive player of the year voting at lunch today even uh so Kawhi number one draymond two hassan whiteside was third
1: that's (laughs) He was so bad defensively. <laughs> that's your argument again about right.
0: block shots and steals.
1: Because right. he's a block shot guy and yeah. as well. I mean, and, yeah. and I he's remember got three and a half a game. I remember when the Heat came here last season mm-hmm. and the Jazz just went at him, right? right? They put him in a pick and roll every right. single time he was on the floor. And Gordon even said, like, yeah, he's he's a really good shot blocker, but you get him away from the basket, you feel pretty good. Well,
2: Rudy yeah. subtweeted Hassan Whiteside oh. four or five times last I year just <laughs> saying, like, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. You can protect the rim. Like, uh, it's right. fun playing defense everywhere, too. Right, Yeah,
1: Ru- yeah Ru- I, <laughs> if... If for whatever reason there is a voting snafu and Hassan ends up with more votes than Rudy, we may see Rudy actually kill somebody. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. that would be. It would be. Absurd. He may find a voter and Rudy kill him
1: Rudy's them. the only. Rudy um, found
2: himself. The NBA tweeted out the all snub All Star team. Yeah. And they didn't put his face on the snub team, and he was snubbed by being snubbed. <laughs> I mean, he is that level of. of oh, he is of scouring furious scouring the internet. Yeah, yeah exactly. he's aware. very much He noticed scouring.
1: he
0: didn't. He noticed he didn't make the snub team. Right. Like, how is that possible? Right. <laughs> I, I mean, so he was voted su- – he was seventh last year in Defensive Player of the Year voting. every yeah. uh, Bradley, Paul Millsap. Could and part of uh, that have been
1: the games – he missed what, like 18 games or something yeah. like that? It, I mean, most of the second half of the yeah. season. Right.
2: I mean, but, I don't uh, know. What, was it the middle of the season? It he was, yeah, the it was the season. I thought so. it was, yeah, games 40 to 60 is when he started missing games. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe yeah, I, I think it was earlier than that. I think there, it
0: was certainly all-star break. Where the Jazz could have been making that
2: run to try and make the playoffs.
1: But, yeah, like Rudy – there is no like th- that's your three that should be your top three and if anyone yeah. votes for anyone other than those top three like yeah you're entitled to your opinion and all that crap that you have to say you're wrong <laughs> like you're just absolutely wrong and, and you're drummond. detriment to voting
0: andre drummond got a second round a uh, second place vote he last year He is a horrendous
1: yeah. defender
2: and rudy will get one rudy will get a, d- a DPOY whether it's this year yeah. next year two years yeah, 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 uh, yeah. he will get one if he doesn't get it this year yeah. it's not a big deal
0: yeah that's a good point all right uh potatoes yeah. Uh, Why are we
1: talking about potato? Because of Dirk? Just
0: because, yeah, Dirk got one, and then CJ Miles' wife, Lauren, posted that he got one, congratulating him for passing, I think, Troy Williams on the Pacers' all-time three shooting. Okay. List. What's No, the Troy Murphy, on the- sorry. Troy Murphy. <laughs> uh, that makes way more sense. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Is it
1: because Troy Murphy's Irish?
0: I don't... Well, why did Dirk get one then? I, I, I'm guessing that is it's Dirk from the same Irish potato t- sender. Is Nowitzki the, not an, a traditional <laughs> Irish name?
1: I think Mick Nowitzki is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm guessing that there's one person who's sending potatoes, not, not hordes of them. can you... Do we know what the backstory is here with the potatoes?
1: No, can't you make a... Not really. Can you make a clock out of a potato? Have I seen that science experiment? Yeah. yeah. So then, I mean, is it, is it out of the realm of possibility that you can make a bomb with a potato? Should I'm surprised we, be we can send them in the mail. Right. <laughs> that doesn't seem safe. You can't just send potatoes to people. Here's here's the it's backstory from
2: USA Today, uh, and, and I guess it makes sense why it would uh, it would go with Dirk. I don't get why C J Miles would get one. Being in Indiana, guys, a couple of guys went on uh, the Shark Tank, which is obviously Mark Cuban's show mm-hmm. on yeah. ABC, and they pitched a thing where yeah, you just send people potatoes as like a as like a thank you note, and you just write on a potato, and this company will do this for you, and you send it out. And Mark Cuban thought it was ridiculous. Wait, you need to pay someone to write on a potato for you? These two guys asked for fifty thousand dollars for ten percent of their company, which is called Potato Parcel. And they, p- you pay ten dollars, and uh, they write a message on a potato and send it somebody, to somebody. Couldn't I just
0: get Do a that? sharpie? Yeah. Yeah, just get your own potato. And a, pota- a bag you, I mean, you of potatoes bag a, is a yeah, like forty cents. Right. They're we so all have Yeah, it's the
1: cheapest thing you can buy. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, 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 that's not very. If you were,
1: cool. if you were. Incomprehensibly poor, but not homeless, you just buy potatoes all the time, right? because you can do so many yeah. things with them,
0: oh, for sure, yeah, that'd be that'd be great uh, what's the weirdest thing you guys have gotten for voting, and in particular Zach, I don't know how many things like have you ever voted you' yeah I'm i've never-
1: i well, ne- <laughs> uh yeah, I'm registered <laughs> to vote for NBA awards i have never done it um <laughs> okay uh I mean, I got sent like uh i got sent this like mini suitcase for Ty Lawson to the all star game um by, ty Lawson, huh? by the denver nuggets this was obviously a couple years ago <laughs> um and it was like a it was like a travel theme so there was like a i heart ty in, in the style of like i heart ny okay um there was uh i don't know like a keychain or something and like a lanyard um but it was yeah it was like i i'm i'm not gonna get ty Lawson in the all-star What why are you sending this yeah. to me for
0: no that's that was Ty's people talking right. to the Nuggets. and I mean, I'm sure it always is. Yeah. But.
1: The best one I think that people got was Al Jefferson with the Hornets, where they, they handed out paint cans because mm-hmm. he was dominating the paint. I think it's ah. like an All NBA third team thing. And, and he uh, made it. He made it. Yeah, all-NBA. he made it, right. He so, the All Star game. Yeah, made all-NBA. and I know some writers who still have that can of paint.
0: Huh. Is, is that like it. a Hornets color? Yeah, yeah, I think
1: it's like a Hornets teal or something like that. That would make sense. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Um, did
2: the Jazz do that? Did Jazz do anything like that for Hayward this year or Rudy this year? I mean, I know they bought some billboards and they put those up, but uh, I don't think they They're g- still doing billboards in 2017? Jazz did. Seems like yeah. a waste of money. There's what you and who else has a vote locally? I don't think anybody. Aaron, I mean, right? Aaron Falk? You. Yeah, but I guess yeah, Aaron. Right. Maybe Tony. Maybe Tony does have No? Okay.
1: What a – I just think it's a – Bad way to well, spend your Aaron money. Yeah. <laughs> As a lot of it's Fifteen thousand dollars. What if it's, what if it's just boat. outside of Aaron's house? Is that where it is? <laughs> Maybe that's 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 the deal.
0: Is they actually constructed a billboard outside of his house? Though. By the way, and
2: I, I don't want to stop anyone from sending things to NBA players, but at locker room cleanout. One of the most bizarre things is how much mail those guys have right. in their locker that they're cleaning out at the end of the year. Which I guess some of them probably address it or good and get it to their assistants and help get it sent back out. I think a lot of guys just accumulate mail yeah. for whatever six months, eight months the NBA season is and then it goes out with whatever, you know, extra pair of socks they didn't wear in the season.
0: It is a shame that locker room clean out no longer takes place in the locker room. Like there was something about watching guys take their stuff literally right. out of the locker room. Now we just, just sit the, around the,
1: the shoes alone. Yeah. Like seeing them go through the shoes of I want to keep those, now you can donate those or whatever. I like that.
0: Yeah. Real shame that that's now just a podium thing and not uh an actual clean
1: I also don't process. know that we should still be sending players things. Who's we? Like, like, the world? Just the collective. Like thirty-year-olds,
0: I agree with you. <laughs>
2: like eight-year-olds. The yeah, this parcel is gonna go out of business if we don't. If you're like
1: what? Old. Like I think if you can legally drive, <laughs> yeah. you like that's the cutoff point, yeah. right? That's right.
2: right. If you, it's not cute that you're at the airport waiting right, for the team to come yeah. back, don't send the players anything if I, if, either. If
1: I can't tell whether or not you're gonna throw this autograph on eBay, right? That's right. that's a bad sign, right? I
0: mean, that's something we've, we have we kind of watch warm-ups before every game, right? And right. we see all those the autograph seekers want Gordon Hayward's or whatever stars in town autograph. Yeah. And you can tell which guys are under 15 right. <laughs> and which <Yeah>. ones are <laughs> autograph seekers, right? Like yeah. It's it's just kind of sad and obnoxious.
1: Have you ever been an autograph seeker? No. Neither of you? Is that like appeal to you? I've had balls signed before yeah. a
2: game. I used to live where the Jazz used to practice. I'd okay. go shag balls for Thurl Bailey, yeah. and he would sign stuff when I was eight years old but yeah i
1: I think the last autograph i got was at spring training i was like 17 yeah and and i got um like marquise grissom or someone to sign a baseball and i like marquise grissom you used to play on the braves i'm a braves fan whatever like it would like that was a cool moment for me but then after as i was like taking the ball away i just thought like well now what am i going to do with this yeah like i like it's it's uh, but, like, am I gonna keep a Marquis Grissom ball my whole life? Like, probably not.
2: And at some point, it gets mean because you're gonna go out and you want the Ricky Davis signature. Right. And it's like <laughs> and there's this restraining right. order of, <laughs> over and over again <laughs> but that like, just I, keeps renewing. Know, who would you get? Yeah, I would love to get J.J. O'Brien, like uh, the weird right. 10-day <laughs> yeah. guy. Right. I, I would love a Steamsma autograph yeah. on yeah the the one jersey he got and played in two minutes. The Lou Ammons and then you wear it, right? Like, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. But what? Also being ironic like that kind of just it, it yeah. wears yeah. out.
1: I guess if you have like a collection, like if you're – this huge like huge jazz fan and you're like, I want to try to get an autograph of everyone who's played for the jazz and like mm-hmm. that is th- like I guess I kinda get that as like a collective thing. But yeah. if it's just random then I then I I don't know. It doesn't make a connection Yeah, like
0: a, a signed ball is cool, I feel like if you yeah. g- if you get that and put it on your mantle right. or whatever. And it also but has to be a team that,
2: that matters. If you right. have the O four, O five jazz signatures and they went to whatever twenty three games right. and you but had, I, ironically that's play. great.
0: Like yeah right, I
2: yeah. Was a Mario Oh signature. yeah, it's you're a-
1: taking that autograph to Bonnaroo and you're the king, right? right. Like that's what that's <laughs> what that <is. laughs> It's
2: a funny like think piece that you put in your house. It's a coffee exactly. table book, right. yeah, of a basketball.
1: Ooh, a coffee table book of ironic autographs. Just
2: autographs. Yeah.
1: Just yeah, two hundred autograph, two hundred pages. Right. Of I think we found a business here. <laughs> <laughs> Better than potato parcel. Yeah, for sure. For All yeah. right,
0: we got to wrap up, but thank you guys so much for listening uh, to another KSL Court Report slash Salt City Hoops Show, whatever this is. Um, as always, you can listen to more episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at Andy B. Larson. Zach is at Talk Hoops. Ben is at Ben K-Fan. Never changing. It's never. Never changing. It's a tribute. If yeah. you get hired wherever, you'll, you'll just still be K-Fan. Depends on what they pay me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you got to negotiate that yeah, into right. the contract. <laughs> I like it. It's, it's smart. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns for us, tweet us, let us know. Um, But for the time being, thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day.